So welcome to Hope Online. Over the last few months, there's been lots in the news uh, about exams and exam marking. Um, and I, it reminded me of when uh, I was back in school, back in the day, and uh, I used to have Latin lessons. And my Latin teacher was uh, affectionately known as Beanie, comes from the Latin word for good. Uh, and from that, we get our word benevolent. Now, uh, Beanie uh, used to give us Latin, uh, teach us Latin twice a week. At the end of the week, we would have uh, a Latin test. And uh, the way the, the test ran was that we would do the test in the lesson. We'd then pass the paper to the person next to us and we would mark our own papers. It was a disaster. What he didn't know was that uh, we all used to give each other right answers. We also used to give text. Sometimes it got to the point where we, we didn't even fill in any answers at all. We used to pass each other blank pieces of paper. And uh, when it came to the end of the lesson, we would call out our marks and everyone in the class would have at least 19 out of 20. What's the point? Why am I telling you that? Well, I think we live in a world where most people are marking their own exam papers. What do I mean? We measure our lives by our own and other people's experience. We uh, think that uh, we're good, we, we live a good life, we're good enough, that's okay. God, uh, God, that'll be enough for God, won't it? You know, he's a good God, he's kind, surely that'll be fine with him. And we're making a fundamental mistake. There's a flaw in our thinking, and the flaw is this. God is not uh, a benevolent uh, father like uh, my old Latin teacher, who was mistaken and easily misled. He is the God of the heavens. He is almighty, awesome, holy, kind, gracious. He knows what's right and he knows what's wrong. We are sadly mistaken if we think we can pull the wool over his eyes. And we need to understand this, that if we think we're going to go through our lives marking our own exam paper, we need to know this, that there are no shades of grey with God. What do I mean? Well, Previously, we saw in John, uh, uh, the opening to John's letter, that he wants us to have a relationship with God. John is encouraging us to have a relationship with God. And at the outset, he makes it clear that uh, he uh, has heard directly from Jesus, the Son of God. And so he repeats to us, he's telling us uh, in his letter what he has heard directly from Jesus. There's, uh, he's dogmatic, he's clear, uh, and that's something that we don't like in uh, today's politically correct world. People don't like uh, dogmatism. They don't like people being direct and clear. They uh, like there to be, if you like, they like there to be shades of grey. The one true God cannot and will not allow us to mark our own exam paper. John puts it like this. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. John's starting point is that God is diametrically opposed to darkness. In the Bible, darkness is symbolic for evil, uh, for error, for shades of grey. 
However, God, the Bible says, is good. He is true. And uh, Paul tells Timothy that God dwells in unapproachable light. What John is doing, he is using the uh, image of light to convey to us something. He wants us to remind, he wants to remind us of the benefits of light. See, light helps us uh, see, helps us uh, see obstacles in front of us, things that are going to trip us over. It also uh, helps us to see the way that we need to go. And John is is saying that in the Christian life, when we become followers of Jesus, we come into the light. We come into relationship with God. We come into fellowship with God. And, and when that happens, uh, the light, uh, the light of God's presence enables us to see obstacles that are going to trip us up and helps us to see the direction in which we ought to go. You see, a relationship with God only comes through putting our trust in Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. That's what he said about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. And he says that if we follow him, we won't walk in darkness. The Bible also says that uh, God has brought us out of darkness into God's amazing light, into the amazing light of living in that relationship with God. John knows that we are in constant danger of being pulled in the wrong direction. And he knows that we need to be people who know what it is to walk in the light as God is in the light. You see, the Gnostic teachers that John is uh, confronting as he writes this letter, they were saying that uh, Jesus was not enough. They were saying that Jesus was born just a man. He was just a man just like us, that he uh, uh, didn't uh, become God until the Holy Spirit came on him just after his uh, baptism, just around his baptism. And then uh, and then the Holy Spirit left him just before he died on the cross and he died a man. They were saying Jesus wasn't, was, uh, wasn't enough for us. And what they were trying to argue was they were uh, saying that there was more that was needed. There was a special revelation. People needed an illumination that Gnostic teaching could give them that would help them show the way to go. John says, no, that is darkness. That way leads to darkness. And John is saying there is only one way to walk in the light, and that is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is enough for each of us. If we want genuine and rich fellowship with God, we need to know Jesus Christ. You see, ignoring Jesus and what Jesus says, we are, when we do that, it's like we're marking our own exam papers. And that way always leads to failure. John wants us to know fellowship with God. And if we're to know fellowship with God, there are some things that we need to, to know. And John draws out two things in the first uh, few verses of this chapter in 1 John. And the first test, if you like, the first key that we need to understand is this. We need to be those who live with integrity. This is what John says. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, 
cleanses us from all sin. Now, for those of you who know a bit about sailing, I'm not a sailor myself, but when you learn uh, to sail a boat, uh, you, you learn it in a, a, a small lake or uh, you learn the skills. When you learn, uh, you've learnt and you become uh, competent enough to take a boat out of harbour yourself, one of the things you know is that as you take a boat out of harbour, you need to stick to the channel. There are channel markers on either side of the channel which show you where you need to sail the boat. And the more experienced a sailor you are, uh, the easier it becomes. As uh, when we become Christians, when we become followers of Jesus, when we come into a relationship with God through what Jesus has done for us, uh, we need to know that uh, there are channel markers for us. And the Bible says that they are grace and righteousness. What do I mean? Let me explain to you. So when we become followers of Jesus, um, it's not something that we've done. We haven't earned our salvation. We haven't earned relationship with God. We were far from God. The Bible says that we were dead in our sin. Sin is a, a Bible word and, and what it means is that we live independently from God. We live without reference to the God who created us and formed us. Uh, that's what the Bible means when it talks about sin and sin is living without God in our lives. And, and so we were dead to God. We were far from God. And, and when you're dead, you can't make yourself alive. And the truth is this, God in his kindness and his mercy loved us so much that he sent his son to die on our behalf that we might become alive to God. It's all a work of God. The Bible says it's grace. We have done nothing. We have earned nothing. This is all something God has done. And as we come to God by grace, through grace, we need to live in grace. We need to uh, take into account that marker of grace. But the other side, the other marker, is a marker called righteousness. You see, in the New Testament, uh, the writer uh, of the book of Acts, the uh, Luke, when he wrote that book, he talks about Christians as being followers of the way. Being a Christian is, means you're followers of the way. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, in John chapter 14, verse 6. But Luke says we're followers of the way, and there's a way to go. There's a way for us to walk. And in the Old Testament, uh, uh, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, says it's the way of holiness, calls it the way of holiness in Isaiah chapter 35. John says that we walk in the light as he is in the light. That's the way that we walk. It's a way of living. It's a, a way of righteousness. We need to walk that way because God himself is righteous. The Bible says that his throne, his, his kingdom is established on righteousness, truth and righteousness. And so we need to be those who uh, follow a way that's marked by grace and righteousness and and. There's a way, uh, if we don't, if we step outside of that, it's shipwreck. And so we need to be those who follow God's way of living. We need to walk in the light as God is in the light. You see, John is challenging the Gnostic lie that once we know God, it doesn't matter how we live. It's a lie that's still peddled today. If you're a Christian, you can, you can do what you like and God will forgive you. Well, that's true. 
However, this way is a way of grace and righteousness. It doesn't mean we can go over and cross over and go, well, I can do what I like. No, no, no. That's what the Bible calls license. Stepping over the, that line, that marker is going into license. The other side uh, of, of righteousness, when we step over, we become legalistic. No, no, we, we follow a line of grace and righteousness. It's a narrow path. Jesus gives us a narrow way to follow. We need to be those who live with integrity. Many years ago, uh, Annie and I and the kids went on holiday. We went to Crete, lovely holiday. Uh, and at the time, uh, I didn't have a watch. And um, as we were walking around to, uh, uh, a Greek stall, uh, uh, the guy was selling Seiko watches. And I saw this watch and I thought, oh, wow, that would be great. Wow, that's a great price for a Seiko watch. So uh, I bought it came home and uh, within a month, uh, all the metal had peeled off and it was plastic. It was a fake. It wasn't the real deal. John says, is challenging us about our faith. Is our faith the real deal or is it just skin deep? You see, John is saying we are being deceived if we live in the way, uh, just in the way that we want to. Do we live like Jesus lived? You see, our faith needs to be seen in the way we communicate, in the way we speak, in the way we communicate by emails, in the, uh, the, uh, the way we behave in Zoom meetings, which are, are big at the moment in this season. Uh, if we are thankful for God's great and amazing love towards us, we will show that love to others in the way that we speak to them. We will be encouraging. We will speak the truth in love. We will look to build them up. We won't look to be cynical or critical. Uh, this season has heightened everybody's emotions. I have heard people say some very, very kind things. I've also heard people say some really unkind things. I've seen some really grace-filled behaviour, and I've seen some really graceless behaviour. You see, our faith should impact the way we speak, should impact the way that we act, should be impact the way that we, uh, uh, the things we watch on television, the things that we listen to, the places we go, what we drink, what we eat. What about you in this season? Is your faith authentic? Have you found that your faith is perhaps shallower than you thought it was? Have you found yourself slipping into things, saying things and doing things that you wish you hadn't? Into attitudes that you know are not right? Grace, we're told, teaches us to say no to certain things. But it also gives us permission to do others. It's why Paul says this, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as, as is proper for the saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable but rather giving thanks. There are no shades of grey with God. 
is our veneer starting to peel off in this season? If so, John gives us good news. He says that if we have fellowship with God, if we have a relationship with God through Jesus, Jesus' blood cleanses us from all sin. Jesus died on the cross as the perfect substitute for our sin. He rose from the dead and he paid the penalty for our sin. He paid the penalty for it. The penalty of sin is paid for. That means that as we stand before God, the Bible says it's as just as if we've never sinned. We're legally declared right before God. The Bible calls this justification. The penalty of our sin is paid for. But there's more good news. The Bible says that Jesus breaks the power of sin in our lives if we continue to walk with him. What that means is we're increasingly made more like Jesus. The Bible calls that sanctified. We become more like him. We're declared righteous, we're justified. But as we follow him, as we live, in, live with him, as we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we become more like Jesus. Wow. God is light. He takes sin seriously. And yet he has provided an amazing solution. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Walking in the light is grounded in two things. Love for God and obedience to what he says. The second test is this. Taking responsibility. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. In this season, uh, there's, we're hearing lots about people having to take COVID tests. And uh, I was listening uh, on the news this morning and it was talking about people who are having to travel hundreds of miles to have a test as to whether they have the virus. See, the truth is we can't tell whether we have the virus or not. The answer is we need a test. It's not good enough to say, I think I'm okay. Just isn't enough. It isn't acceptable. Sin is not a popular word in our world. When we talk about it as the root problem of society, when as Christians we talk about it in that way, we are viewed as being similar to those who are Luddites, Flat earthers, those who deny that there's global warming. You see, the world's answer, our society's answer is to uh, solve our problem in education, in social welfare, in wealth distribution. But every attempt to create a better world is doomed to failure because the root of the problem is in the human heart. It's what the Bible calls sin. Today, the silver bullet is tolerance. Create a society that's tolerant of everybody. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do or what you say. We just need to be tolerant. And as Christians, when we stand up and uh, speak like John does and we speak the truth in love, actually, we are, uh, we are w the, the world around us gets really agitated and uh, 
struggles with what we say. You see, we're battered for being intolerant when we suggest that the problem is our sin before a holy God who created the world around us and who created us. The issue is none of us wants to take responsibility for our own lives, for our own heart. We say we have no sin. That's what John is saying. When we say that, when we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. Only an encounter with Jesus can we see the state of our own heart before a holy God. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John's answer is equally unpalatable. We need to confess our sin to God. I think John had in mind a story that Jesus told uh, about a crook, a tax collector and a religious leader. And uh, we read about it in Luke chapter 18. The mark of someone who follows Jesus is humility. And in this story, what Jesus says is that these two men, this crook and this uh, religious person come before God. They're crying out to God in prayer and the, the, the religious leader uh, looks down on uh, on this tax collector, on this crook, who is praying like this. He's saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinful man. Be merciful to me. And the Pharisee prays like this. He says, thank you. I thank you, God, that I'm not like this man. I thank you that I I don't do the things he does. I thank you that I'm, I live a different life. I live a, a good life. Jesus said it was the tax collector that went away justified acceptable to God and not the other. Humility is the way to freedom. Humility is the doorway to holiness. Suppressing the truth of what's going on in our hearts never solves the issue. Time doesn't bring healing. Papering over the cracks just hides the problem. Eventually, the things in our heart rear their ugly head again. John's answer is, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Those words are so powerful. He's faithful and just. He's not faithful and kind. God is not being faithful and kind saying, oh, I'll forgive your sins. No, he's faithful and just. He is just because sin, our sin had to be dealt with. And on the cross, God punished Jesus for our sin. He is God must forgive our sin because Jesus has paid the price. So he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. How amazing is that? Such good news. So when we get it wrong, when we mess up, and all of us will have done that over these days, over this season where our emotions have been heightened, we know that we can come to a God who will forgive us as we confess us in God. I messed up again. I've got it wrong again. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Are you concealing things that need to be brought into the open? Are you hiding things in your heart? Bring it to God. He knows anyway. Forgiveness brings freedom. Maybe you need to do our Freedom in Christ course, which we're just about to start online. Sign up for it if you do. 
You see, we need to be those who learn to walk in the light. There's a, a great analogy I want to use. I've used it before in years gone by. When you walk down the street uh, in, uh, uh, in, the, in midday, there are moments where the sun is casting a shadow on one side of the street. One side of the street is in shadow and one side is in light. Which side you walk on, whether you walk on the sunny side of the street or not, is a choice. God wants us to be those who walk in the light. Walk on the sunny side of the street. Walk with him in fellowship with him on that side of the street. Not to walk in dark. That's a choice. That means that we need to come to him and bring things to him and cross over. If we're walking on the wrong side, we need to cross over onto the right side and say, God, forgive me for the mistakes I've made. I want to walk with you today. I want to walk with you this week. Help me walk with you. The last thing John deals with is those who peddle perfectionism. We think we're perfect. We don't think we make any mistakes. John says, if we talk like that, we are making God out to be a liar. You see, sin was dealt a death blow on the cross, but it's only finally dealt with when Jesus returns. The longer we walk with God, the more we see our own shortcomings and uh, the things that we get wrong and we realise we need the wonder of God's amazing grace every day. And that's why the Apostle Paul, after years of walking with God, walking in the light, at the end of his life says of himself, Christ Jesus came in the into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. You see, we don't have to pretend to be perfect. You don't have to be pretend. You don't have to pretend to be perfect. It's okay to be honest before God because he knows anyway. And he wants you to be free and he wants you to cross over and walk on uh, the right side of the street. Want to, wants you to walk in the light with him. Wants you to set you free. Doesn't want you to live in the shadows. Will you do that? You see, if we pretend to be perfect and getting it right all the time, we're fooling ourselves. But the promise is, if we walk in the light, we can live a better way. The challenge is we may never live a perfect life this side of heaven, but it's what we aim for. We aim to live like that. It's a bit like uh, climbing a mountain. If you set your stall out for reaching halfway up the mountain, you won't get any further than halfway. In fact, you'll probably get far less. If you set your sights for the top of the mountain, you will get much further. And so we live our lives in these days. We say, God, I want to live the best you are. I want to do well for you. I don't want to make mistakes there. Help me to do that. And so we aim for the top. We may not get there, but we aim high, not low. But if we aim high, we'll get further than we ever would have done otherwise. As we draw to a conclusion this morning, don't fall for the lie that you can mark your own exam paper. Each one of us need the gospel. Our situation was far worse than we could ever realise. God is holy. He cannot turn a blind eye to us and he's just. There are no shades of grey with God. And yet 
His solution is far better than we ever deserved. God is rich, rich in love towards us in our poverty. And at the cross, he punished Jesus for our sin. He forgives all who trust in Jesus. Since penalty is paid, its power is broken. Praise God. We're not what we were, but we're not yet what we will be. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you are our Father and you love us and that you have rescued us and that you have brought us out of darkness and you have brought us into your marvellous light. Thank you that we don't need to walk in the shadows anymore, that we can walk on the sunny side of the street. We can walk with you in your light and know your presence with us. And that as we do that, you help us avoid obstacles and show us the way that we should go. Father, we want to confess our sin to you and say we fail you and let you down so often. Thank you that because of Jesus, the slate can be wiped clean. We can stand before you as if we've never sinned because Jesus has paid the penalty for us. Thank you that the debt is paid. And Father, help us now to walk in the light as you're in the light and to live in a way that pleases you, honours you, and that uh, lives that we live in a way that causes your kingdom to come in our streets, in our neighbourhoods, in our city, and in our country. In Jesus' name. Amen.